Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, Employability and Careers Consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Hello, Kelly. So, Kelly, you are living and working in Hong Kong, your home country. And I guess, firstly, would you be able to just tell us a little bit about what made you return home to Hong Kong as opposed to maybe staying in the UK? Mainly because of the pandemic, actually, because I came back right after the second term in my final year because that was when COVID just happened and my parents were worried about me living by myself abroad so they said okay I could come back do my exams online then maybe I would go back to Exeter for graduation in summer which didn't happen then I sort of just stayed home because COVID just never got better and then I started thinking about okay maybe I should do something whilst I'm at home so then I started working I actually worked as a tutor for one year at first just to make some income whilst I was figuring out what I wanted to do and then the opportunity came up working at the SFC oh actually I did something else before yeah I worked at the Hong Kong Economic Times which is like a news company worked in their marketing for like a month because a friend referred me and then during that time, I found this job advertised at the SFC. Then I just thought I would I would take it. Then I went for an interview, did some test thing, and I got the role. Then I started early this year. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing since I graduated. It's, it sounds, Kelly, like it was almost circumstantial, wasn't it? Because yeah. you, you didn't really have a choice. I mean, and how stressful in your final year of university to be faced with a pandemic and to have to go home and you know, sort of do everything remotely. So, you know, well done, well done for getting through that. I know that your cohort, it'll be your graduation this year, won't it? We've got 2020, 21 and 22. So sadly, I, I can't come back. Because no, of I the quarantine rules, yeah. <laughs> because of the, the what rules? Quarantine. So oh, if okay. I can't back, complicated. Yeah, I'll be for two weeks, that'll be too long, yeah. Oh, what a shame. But well done. Well done for still getting your degree. You, you know, you did really well there. So you are a legal executive for Securities and Futures Commission. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So, so what does that, that role involve then? So I mainly support the um, senior manager who are basically investigators. So they are regulators that more like on the prosecution side but we do investigations so we would be requesting information doing searches on those companies that usually people complain about having issues with them usually on like corporate frauds or like breach of market rules etc then we do the investigation side and if we think there are enough evidence to um, move on then we'll pass it on to the discipline team but I mainly deal with the investigation so there's a lot of actually a lot of tedious paperwork and stuff involved but I I think I do learn a lot by reading documents and stuff and usually we deal with some of the top law firms as well the things that they do so I quite enjoy working on the other end of what people would do when they work 
at the law firm. Yeah, and I expect also because you're in contact with a lot of law firms, you're making some really good contacts, aren't you? So it's, I guess it's providing a really good grounding for you for your first job after graduating. Yeah. And I all I also expect you're using a lot of the skills that you gained in your law degree in that that role as well. But I do feel like working is very different from studying. Yeah. Maybe some research skills. Yes, I think I developed that during my degree. But a lot of the hands-on working things, I think I need someone who's done before to teach me how to do it. If that makes sense. So it it makes sense. Yeah. It does. Whilst I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's very different, isn't it? Sort of the, the transition from studying to being in a work environment. So it's a yeah, it's a, you're probably still in that transition period at the moment. But I guess sort of on that point, when I mean I know it's very different for you because it was circumstances that that took you home, uh, circumstances outside of your control. But when you were in Exeter studying towards your degree. What would it have been good to know about transitioning to working back in Hong Kong? Well, I think there is like not a lot of people, but I think there are always like a group of students from Hong Kong and Exeter every year studying law. Um, We don't really have like a society or anything like that to group those people together. I think for me, I only met less than five people from Hong Kong that also studies law. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been great if we had something like the alumni, grouping people together, sharing their experience, especially in a few like the legal career when you need connection or need someone who's been there to tell you what you have to do, especially with converting your degree into mm-hmm. another country to fit the requirements and stuff. A lot of the things I heard from uh, someone who went to my high school like someone who was a year above me then she told me things that she knew then I think it only came down like that but never anything formal for example how to pick your third year modules wisely so you could get exempted for some courses that you would have to do if you didn't do it because they are like the core subjects in Hong Kong but they're not core in the UK so it's just little things like that would have been great if someone could make it more transparent in a way. Yeah definitely so so what was the process you mentioned about converting your degree when you got back to Hong Kong can you just talk us through that process a little bit and what that involved also that would be like the normal um, route like how you would go from LLB into LPC then training contract Mm -hmm. so there's a similar course that's basically like the LPC in Hong Kong but usually if you graduated from a local university you could go straight on to studying that but if you're from an overseas university, you have to take additional modules by yourself. And also, so for Hong Kong, you have to take company law, um, commercial law and uh, evidence, is evidence, criminal and evidence module. Yeah, so they are like the core modules for them, but it's not core subjects in the UK. So if you didn't take them in your undergrad degree, then you would have needed to pay extra money to take those exams and study by yourself. But then because I knew that I needed those, so I actually took them in my third year, which saves yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, I see. So it's having that hindsight to know what, what will be needed in Hong Kong and making sure that you take them in your UK degree. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see. And what sort of, so far from working in Hong Kong what are your kind of thoughts on the legal sector what have you what have you learned about that in Hong Kong well I've 
not worked in a law firm in Hong Kong. So, but I've heard from people who've worked both at the SFC and law firms. I think people say that London has long hours, but Hong Kong has even longer hours. So they don't right. expect you to leave before eight o'clock per se, but you're supposed to show up at nine again the next morning. So that's like the norm. So no one leaves at six when they say work ends at six. And often people stay till after 12. And that's like a really common thing. So I think that's like, yeah, something that puts off a lot of people from working in Hong Kong because of the long hours. Yeah, but definitely. Also you mean it's quite similar as London because a lot of the law firms has their Asia headquarters in Hong Kong. So for international firms, it's quite similar, the way of applying, doing the first year schemes and VAC schemes, then move on to the training contract, then you qualify after two years. That is very similar. Yeah, definitely. I, I was just wondering there, if you, when you said 12 o'clock, I, I assumed you meant midnight. So I assumed yeah. you meant that some people might start at nine in the morning and be there till midnight. I think it varies in the UK. I know that, you know, depend if you're working for a regional firm, a smaller firm, those hours can be quite, you know, sort of like nine till seven, maybe nine till six. But if you're working in the city, sometimes it can it can be like that here, I think. So, yeah, so you've, you've got that insight from friends then, Kelly. And what are your thoughts? What do you think you, you might do in the longer term in terms of your job roles going forward? Because I've only been here for three, four months. So I'm still yeah. looking into whether I'd like to stay here and progress and move on to higher level roles. But if not, I think I'd also look at opportunities at law firms just to see, just to experience it and see whether which one I would have preferred. But for now, I think I'm going to stay here for at least a year to get a good yeah. feeling of how it's like or like learn more about how it works in the regulators field of how they work and things like that yeah it sounds like you're in a really good position there to give you a foundation to decide what what to do next and you mentioned about possibly um looking to apply to to law firms in hong kong what's it like in hong kong i mean i know that here in the uk it's often the case that there are more candidates applying for training contracts than there are training contracts available unfortunately is it similar in hong kong yeah i think so but i think there's another factor that is um they always go and advertise at the top local university which is the university of hong kong so yeah, I think most people that graduate from HKU would get most of the Magic Circle firms, TC. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So that's, that's like something that people know, that Magic Circle only hires from HKU in Hong Kong because most of the partners are from that university. So they prefer taking students that are from the same university as well. Mm. Um, but I think in Hong Kong, they have a lot of temporary roles. So just six-month contract, one-year contracts for other support roles. So that could be a good entry into the other international firms as well. So I know some people that worked maybe as a paralegal for a year or two, then they have um, TC opportunities as well. Yeah, so similar, I guess, because that, yeah, that can happen in the UK, can't it? Lots of people start as a paralegal and then they, they train from there. But yeah, it sounds like that particular institution you mentioned if people firms see that on a cv that that's a massive head start it sounds like 
I think it's just a little bit like Oxbridge in the UK. Yes. People yeah. see that on the CV. It's like, oh, even if you have a tutu, I'll still interview you and see <laughs> how it is. Yeah, a little bit yeah. like that. I know what you mean. Uh, and what about where you are, the organisation that you work for, Securities and Futures Commission? Will, will there be opportunities for progression there if you wanted it? Because, of course, you don't have to go on to qualify as a solicitor, do you? You might want to do something else. Yes, I could move on and be an associate, but they are not qualifying roles. So that's the only difference. So most people qualify at law firms and then work at the SFC or they work in the government, maybe the treasury or the more finance background, and then they move on and work at the SFC instead. So they don't actually offer qualifying roles. But if you move up, then there is a chance of... promoting but I don't actually know what's the difference between people who are qualified or not maybe if you're qualified you deal with the more legal side of things but if not then maybe you'll have to learn more about the finance um things like that yeah okay well that sounds really positive so it sounds like there there are opportunities there if you decide that's what you want as well yeah well we'll Um, see (laughs) I'm gonna stay there for longer and decide whether I really like the role or if I want to go out and explore other things yeah I know from when we we spoke when we first met it sounds like you are you're really enjoying it there at the moment so you know I think that's these guys will probably agree I think that's that's the main thing if you're enjoying it the more you'll learn what would you say was the most helpful insightful opportunity you had while at university and why not really pick one because I didn't do anything that's like super directly you know, paving my way into a professional career. But from what I remember, I did the negotiating competition in my final year. And I really enjoyed it because it was just building up soft skills. And me and my partner actually represented Exeter at the regionals of the national negotiation competition. And that was when I was doing my degree, I was just doing it for the sake of it. I didn't really think, oh, yeah, you know, definitely studying this to be a lawyer. But then when I did the negotiation competition, it made me think, okay, well, actually, I think maybe I do have the skill set to work in this field. And it made me rethink, okay, maybe I should stick to this instead of just finishing my degree and throwing it away. And I also think being involved with any law societies would be good. So I was on committee of the Women and Law Society. And I think it gives you opportunities to know how to not just how to run a society but you get to meet a lot more of the other people so I organized a mentorship scheme when I was there so I approached a lot of people on LinkedIn and so on and did a lot of research so I think just different things like that it's also things you can talk about when you do interviews yeah and it adds a lot more to your personality from what you do instead of just saying oh yeah I got a first in my degree and that's it So you bring something else on the table when they interview you and it shows what you can actually do instead of just what you know from the textbook. I really enjoyed doing different sorts of extracurricular activities during my degree. And I think it made me who I am today because of all the different experience I got in Exeter. Oh, and also I did a lot of those career zone. What are they called? Seminars? Workshops? Did you do the Exeter Award and the Leaders Award? Yeah, so I did that and also the Leaders Award. So I actually went for a lot of 
I think maybe they were hosted by Rachel, but I don't remember. So some, I think some would have been some of them. Yeah, so the skill set <laughs> will teach you how to how to market yourself better, basically. So I think everyone has different convertible skills, but it's just whether you can put it out as well as someone else who can do it. So maybe you worked at McDonald's, but how can you make that a selling point? I think they, these are the things that you kind of need a bit of help from people who are more a little bit more experienced and they can tell you okay actually maybe you can market your skills in this way to make it sound more convincing so I think the career zone events did help me write my CV and also helped me at the interviews teaching me the star method I still remember that Rachel (laughs) (laughs) this is a great plug Kelly for the career zone I'm definitely glad I'm recording this so that's brilliant but it is a great thing to do and it's great to hear Kelly that it's been you know really useful for you so that's brilliant so thank you for that this was the career zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter career zone check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag careerzonepodcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram. And we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.